This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by McKenny and BetMGM. I'm Mike Stevens, and across me is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing, pal? Pretty good. How's it going? It's good, man. You know, hockey is like, we're we're days away from opening night. It we're really, on the cusp. It snuck up on me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, the day at this point of the year, the days of the week kind of blend together. And it, it's, it's weird, because you think the preseason, you go like, oh, they got eight games they have mm. to play or whatever. It's going to be way longer. You think training can't? No. We're like, we're talking about roster battles when they play a regular season game starting Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Um, lots is going on in the world today, especially in hockey. Yeah. Um, we're not a, I'm not going to say we're a, a world podcast. We're a hockey podcast. Not, we're not CNN here, but yeah. I, I would say the biggest news story that kind of came down the pike yesterday, and, and it ties into a couple other topics we're going to talk about, is uh, the Ottawa Senators, the, the appointment viewing TV you know, they're supposed to be running gun Ottawa Senators. They've now lost their starting goaltender, who was, I guess, perceived to be their starting goaltender, Cam Talbot. This is not a minor injury. They lost him for five to seven weeks with an upper body injury. This is huge. And so in a corresponding move, they they claimed um very intriguing goaltender in Magnus Helberg, who had ripped it up in the KHL for five years prior. Um, he's 32, though. And then he signed a, a one-year deal with the Red Wings last year, never ended up actually playing for them. Uh, but now it's going into now it's going into Ottawa, you know, potentially as the backup. What does this do to the Sens? Because I mean, they're, this is supposed to be the, the the year they take this huge step forward, and now their veteran starting goaltender, who they paid assets for, who they got, he's out for potentially two months. Yeah, this is tough for the Senators because I mean, they're still a young squad, even though they added veterans like Talbot and Claude Giroux and Alex Dabrinkit. You know the the sort of meat of your your foundation there is some of the young players like Brady Kachuk, mm-hmm. Tim Stutzla. You know, you got Jake Sanderson coming up on the blue line to help out Thomas Shabbat. My worry for the Senators is that they can't get off to a slow start because mm-hmm. it's a very competitive division in a couple of different ways where you've got that top end, the Tampas, Florida's, Toronto's, but then you have that sort of emerging uh, I guess call it the underclass of the rebuilders where it's Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo, where they're all looking to take that next step and you, you can't get behind the eight ball quickly. So, I mean, you hope that Anton Forsberg can step up and, and really maybe steal a game for you or just keep you in games because, you know, again, that defense core, we, we've talked about it before it's still very much a work in progress. And I mean, if Jake Sanderson can play a big role, that's huge for you. But, you know, the depth is not fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that puts more pressure on your forwards to make sure that, you know, you you hang back, you make sure that puck gets out of the zone before you you have your fun. So it's a big challenge. Um, You know, Coach DJ Smith obviously is going to have to make sure that everybody is on the same page early on. And I think it's going to be a bit of a grind until Talbot's healthy. And, and, you know, and once he does get back, then you have a little more of a security blanket there because we've definitely seen the high end in Camp Talbot throughout his Mm -hmm. career. Um, But they they really have to make sure that they don't go on an early skid because then it's just too much catch up and, and then you're not playing meaningful games late in the season, which is obviously the goal for Ottawa. 
this year. Absolutely. I mean, side note, do you remember when Cam Talbot played like 70 games for the Oilers that one year? Like that that's what I that's what I bring it back to because he always seems like a tandem guy now. Right. You know, he especially in Minnesota, like he just seemed like that, you know, a good like one A, one B. I remember this guy, he was like and he led them to like a second round. Like that was pretty good. Um look, Anton Forsberg, he he's gonna be the most important guy in Ottawa now. I mean, he's gonna be the yeah. most important sign, at least for the start of the season. And mainly, like, not even just because of his talent or whatnot, but this is a guy who they believe in. They signed I mean, they got him off waivers, you know, uh, miraculously, and then they he ended up Kind of, I don't want to say keeping them afloat considering how bad they were last year, but he had a nine nineteen save percentage last year. You know, on a, in front of a really bad squad. Yeah. Um. And now you look at him; they signed him to a three year deal, two point seven five million. I mean, that's it's not a huge cap hit, but it's not a tiny one either. Mm. They believe in him, and this is a guy who you know maybe he could have thought, "I'm going into camp as like the the perspective, or before, at least before they got Talbot, I'm going into I'm going gonna go into camp." As the prospective starter, I just got a shiny three-year extension. You know, I, I helped sort of bridge that gap during a really, you know, really rocky time for the mm-hmm. team last year. Um, and now he gets to absorb or, I guess, assume that that role again now. Now he gets the opportunity to really establish himself and potentially kind of take Talbot's job, if depending on how he plays. I mean, listen, everyone's talking about Cam Talbot like he's, you know, he's, he's the veteran, solid, fortifying piece of this team needs. Mm-hmm. He's, he's 35 years old. He will now be coming off a major upper body injury. Um, and he also, like, he, he's been, he had a 9-11 save percentage last year. He's been kind of in that range ever since that one year with the Oilers. Mm. Like, he's not a definitive number one starting goaltender in the NHL. Mm. He's, he's, he's a veteran guy, which is important on the Sens team. Yeah. But he's not the, he's, he's not like the solidified slam the door option that they're like, all right, he's going to guide this young team into the promised land. So I think it's a great opportunity for Forsberg, but like you said, this this defense is now going to get extremely like it's also going to take even more importance, and it's it's a tough one. Yeah, and I think you make a good point about Forsberg versus Talbot, and I, I think the the issue here is that you kind of wanted both of them so that if one faltered, then at least you had the other. And yes, you, you had options. Now you know is Helberg a guy that can play? You know, five or six games in a row. I don't. We know. don't know. I don't know. I mean, hey, maybe. We, I mean, goaltenders are voodoo. We they say are. it all the time. But with Talbot out now, it's okay. Well, if Forsberg can't repeat what he did last year, then you could be in trouble. And and I mean, really, as you pointed out, even though he had a nine nineteen save percentage, they didn't win a ton of games. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, I think you you'd have, I think Ottawa Senators fans would be you know be rejoicing if he repeated that 919. Yeah, and for sure. Like look what happened last year. Now they have a better team up front, obviously. Yeah. Um but I would say the defense is not it's it's either the exact same or potentially worse given how like certain, you know, stalwarts have now aged a year, mm-hmm. like Nikita Zaitsev, guys of, of of that ilk. Um it'll be really interesting. Like Helberg, I'm really fascinated to see him play because he like he just absolutely tore it up. In the KHL. And I know the KHL save percentages are the, the, the median is higher than the NHL just yes. because it's a bigger ice. Yeah. You know, the offense isn't quite as high. It's it's harder to get. It's hard. Like the like the, the KHL point leaders are like point per game. If you get a point per game in the NHL, it's the Yeah. KHL and there are some very bad teams in the KHL. Yeah. Like if you're playing Kuhnland Red Star, which is like barely a hockey team at this right. point. Like, yeah. like you're good. If, if you let in five goals, like you should be banished to Siberia or whatever. Like it's, yeah. it's bad. Um, but 
look, he's looked incredible in the KHL, and then and then he also looked incredible in the uh, in the Olympics for mm-hmm. Sweden as well. Yeah. And again, the Olympics was not exactly the breeding ground for NHL contracts we thought it was going to be. Right. But he's a very intriguing guy. He's third, like I said, he's thirty-two, so he's older than you would think for a guy who's like very unproven. But mm-hmm. you never know. Like I, I, I really like the the idea of just taking a shot. Like sure, he's free. That's right. You know, he's Free not goalie. he's not making a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know, if he doesn't pan out, oh no, that's terrible. We can put him in Belleville or we can or we can, you know, mutually terminate the contract if you want. You can go back to the KHL, which I wouldn't recommend right now. But, you know. But, you know, we'll see. But it's yeah. but Talbot being hurt, I mean, that's tough for them. Um it it puts a lot more stress on certain weaker aspects of their roster. It'll mm. be it'll be difficult to to kind of navigate. I mean, Dude. Man, the, the solid, solidifying hand of Matt Murray could really come in handy right now. There you you never know. You're just stoking the Battle of Ontario there. Just stoking it. You know you know how I'd be. Yeah. Um, all right. This one is uh, – I, I want to preface this next this next topic by saying that I don't like change. Fair. Change is scary. Yes. Um, when the world changes around me, I get frightened and I lash out. Um, <laughs> and so uh, dashboard ads – are coming mm-hmm. to the NHL. You know, Greg Wyshynski had a great piece on it yesterday. Uh, basically, the NHL is going to CGI the 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 ads onto onto the 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 boards of the rink, kind of flip them around. Yeah. Um, that means that you know you could be you, players could be you know in a fight for the puck along the boards, and they could change from like a Domino's ad to like a Pizza Hut ad or whatever. Right. Um, you know, it's it it could it has the potential to be jarring. How do we feel about this? You know what I I feel that. It probably won't be as invasive as maybe people think. Like I, mm-hmm. I would, I would assume they wouldn't change it in front of your eyes. I think it'll probably be, you know, when the pucks stay on the other end of the ice and things like that, um, because that that could be a little distracting for me. And and you know, they've done a couple of things over the years where we've seen ads on kind glass. of superimposed on the glass, yeah. or, or even the netting. I think the netting I've seen as well. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't mind it because, you know, it's it's revenue, uh, you know, which, you know, hypothetically helps the salary cap go up and, think and so. more more fun in that regard. Um, and obviously coming out of the pandemic, you know, I mean, revenue is more important than ever for the league as it tries to just, you know, get back to, to where it had been growing. For me, some of the, and, and I say this as, as an old Okay. Um, that, you know, for me, the more distracting things were uh, some of the technologies they were trying out. You know, I, I remember back when the All-Star Game was in San Jose yeah, and they were, they were they were having individual, you know, the guys were on the ice and little things would pop up. It looked like a Fortnite lobby when during, uh, during uh, warm up when it was everything was above their heads. Yeah. Just doing skating around. Yeah. yeah. And you and Connor McDavid would be hidden behind somebody else's yeah. like thought bubble. Um, so, and, and I understood, you know, for people that were like on their phones or using it as a second screen, that yeah. was very cool. And there was cool information there. But for me, where I'm just traditional, like I'm just watching the game, uh, I found that distracting. This, I think it'll be uh, less so. I, I think it'll be one of those things that, that people eventually forget about. The only ad board I ever sort of like, remember is like schnucks in st louis i think it might be a it's, it's either what is schnucks i don't even i've never heard of this it's either like hockey equipment or liquor i don't remember <laughs> uh but it's just like i love the word schnucks yeah it's it's a, just a great word so i always like think about that one um but otherwise i think it'll be this sort of thing that we just get used to 
Well, it's it's funny just how like how prevalent this has been in other sports. Like I was watching, like I'm a big Jays guy. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I've been watching, and, and it, it only dawned on me, I would say, like a couple weeks ago, that they superimpose an ad onto the mound. Really? You don't even notice it. What? You know, and it's a very random ad. Like it's it's usually for a company that you know is is throwing a hail mary when it comes to ad dollars sure. on there. But they like this is going to happen, and you know what? Like I'm I'm of two minds of this because I I'm a big fan of the NHL making money. Because I hate the salary cap with burning passion, and I want it. and the fact that I'm watching bench players on you know the Milwaukee Bucks sign deals that eclipse Connor McDavid's right. it's starting to it, it's, it's starting to grate on me a little bit. You Fair. know now that we're talking about can you sign a PTO guy? Oh no, well we have to you know we only have six hundred dollars in cap space right now. We got to commit tax fraud to make it happen. Right, it, it's really annoying. Um, it, you know what the NHL reminds me of, and, and you're mentioning that you're an old, so this is my young reference. Um, the NHL reminds me of a YouTuber who, uh, it, because at a certain point, YouTube just shut off ad revenue, um, like, or they would demonetize your, your video if you said like a swear at certain points. And so every YouTuber started taking like a ton of brand deals. Oh. And the NHL, see, it seems like COVID was the adpocalypse as they call it. Mm. So the NHL is, is this YouTuber that's just taking every brand deal they can, you know? Yeah. They're doing helmet ads, they're doing jersey ads, they're CGIing ads onto the boards. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gonna eventually, at, at some point, they're gonna, like if you look, and especially being in the states, this this really kind of stood out to me. Is everything, it, every single segment, every single you know like piece of equipment or anything that would ever touch a camera or, or touch a camera lens in in the arena is sponsored by something. Mm-hmm. If we were in Tampa, it would be the it's a whatever. It's like a University of Florida power play. It is a right, right. you know, and so I'm all for making the money, um, but at a certain point, it's like it becomes a little like numbing. Like at a certain sure. point, you can't remember what the ads are. And then at what point does it really matter? You know? So, right. um, but I, I did hear too, that, that uh, like you're saying that you don't think they're going to change it in front of your eyes. But I like from, from what I read from Wyshynski's, I think that they, like they are, they're going to superimpose like and, and keep things kind of rolling, which mm. might be a little distracting. It could be could one be. of those things that just vanishes, you know, but, but I don't know. It's uh it's wild. I also, side note, um, whoever, like, I can't remember what the company is, but whoever paid for their jersey ad on the Vegas uh, uh-huh. jerseys should get their money back um, because they are camouflaged completely. Oh, yeah. It's, I want to say it's Circa. Something like that. It's a, yes. it's a gold. It's gold a, on gold? It's a gold on gold ad. It's like mm. when Harold Ballard put blue uh, blue name plates on the blue jerseys. You can't even read it. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah. if I'm going to be pragmatic here, okay. we just talked about it. So that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. You know what? The house right. always wins. The house always wins. Yeah. You're right. Um, all right. Moving on. This is going to be a bit of a quick pot, I guess, you know, because there's not as much to talk about really, but it's waiver season. Indeed. You know how I said last week that training camp is my favorite time of year? No. Waiver season is my favorite time of year. You know, you get, you get your pumpkin spice latte, you know, the, the air is crisp and it's waiver season. You baby. check the NHL database. You check the NHL database. When you wake up in the morning. You know, you wait until 2 p.m. Eastern, yeah. you know, for, for the waivers to come in. Um, so this will, this could very likely be out of date by the time we, we you know, get up there because we're talking about guys who are on waivers and it's only a 24-hour period, really. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to talk about, you know, th- there's just going to be a huge influx of waivers coming in. Teams are making cuts in training camp now. We're seeing them. Um, who would you, so so let me, like, there there's, for, of the October 2nd guys who are on waivers, it's mm-hmm. Malcolm Subban, William Lagason, Oscar Donsk. Uh, Greg McKegg, Dylan Hetherington, Drake Kajula, Alex Nylander, Dustin Tokarski, Cole Lind, and Zach Fucali. Who out of those players would you select or would you pluck if you were an NHL GM? 
Yeah, there's a couple, and it's funny because it, that is the you know the list for one particular date. But you know, I'll kind of joke that's like we'll probably see these guys on waivers exactly. again at some point. Yeah. Like when once you get into the waivers thing, like you know, like Greg McKegg has definitely been picked up a number of times. Drake Hadjula as well, I think. Um, but for me, like I, I've always been very intrigued by William Logason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of came up with the Oilers. The thing I'll always remember was there was a World Juniors where Sweden lost the bronze medal, which <laughs> they've done often, because uh, at least back in the day, they didn't really care about winning bronze. Um, but I remember they lost the bronze one time, and Lagesson was coming off the ice, and he was furious that they lost. He was the only guy in the team that was furious. And mm-hmm. I was like, that to me is a great trait. Like, he cares. Yeah, He cares about every game. He wants to win the last game of the tournament. You know, he's a physical defenseman. There's not a ton of offense to his game, but you know, I, I think he could be that sort of bottom pairing guy. And and you know, we've seen some good hockey from him in the past. He was weighed by Carolina. Obviously, Carolina has a lot of good options on defense. Um, so there wasn't a spot for him. Mm-hmm. That's fine. The other one for me is Zach Ficali, the goaltender, yes. uh, who uh, really helped at Washington in the short term last year when they needed him. And so the Caps waive him. And I, you know what? I just feel like Ficali has always been that like great team guy, yeah. you know, good in the room, uh, you know, doesn't have a ton of size. I think he's kind of six one, um, so which that, is big enough. Yeah. What does that make me, man? I'm five ten. Not an NHL goal. Unfortunately, I hate to break it to you. My dream is dead. That's why you're behind the mic. Um, but Ficali has shown that, you know, he can get you some wins mm-hmm. and, you know, he can just sort of fit into an organization. And it is kind of unfortunate the way waivers works where, you know, after your, you know, certain years of your contract, you have to go up and down because yeah. it does really feel like there's those tweener guys where it's like, ah, with that, that third goalie that's sort of a veteran, it w- would be nice to have him as an emergency, mm-hmm. you know, when you need him. But unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm a team and I needed a, a solid backup that you know isn't going to complain about ice time, but when he needs to go in, He's there for you. I, I just I like Zach Fakali. I think he's a good option. I I think that's a great I think that's a great option. I'm I'm really like I said I'm really intrigued by William Lagesson. I think anyone that kind of comes out of Carolina is really intriguing to mm-hmm. me. You know, like they they just seem to be a good developmental. I know he's played other places before, but you know the fact that he stuck around this long, they're pretty uh, pretty intense thing. I mean, Oscar Donsk has always been really interesting to me. He played for um, he played for Vegas for a little bit. Remember in I think it was in their first season where both of their goalies got hurt. Yes. Or all of it, and they had to call up like Dylan Ferguson to play for yes. that out of the WHL that he was right. playing in, and Oscar Donsk kind of held the fort for a little just bit. Dansk. Just Donsk. Um, we can Donsk. We can Donsk if we want to. Yes, we can leave that world behind. Um, nice. And uh, I bought like Drake Ajula is really. I, I, he was getting some really high praise from the Pittsburgh uh, like beat. I guess mm-hmm. uh, I was seeing on Twitter. I mean, okay, so here's the thing, too, and we're in Toronto, so we got to talk about, you know, the, the the conversation. And I saw a little bit of it popping up, and I want to shut it down before it even gets there. Okay. The Alex Nylander pick him on waivers talk. Oh, was there? So there was some, you know, Alex Nylander hits waivers, and people mm. are like, oh, reunite him with William. You know, like right. it's, and I think, you know, he's former, I think, former top 10 pick. He was eighth overall to Buffalo, I believe. Mm. Um, you know, probably shouldn't have gone that high, but we'll see. This is a guy who couldn't make Chicago's lineup last year. Mm. Um, so maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit mm-hmm. on that. Um, I just think that he's probably like a 
he's probably like a Josh Levo. You know, we were talking about him before we started recording. Like, he yes. just seems like a guy who could chip in the odd goal or two at the NHL level and, you know, mainly spend a lot of time in the AHL. And I don't think he's, he's you know, incredible. Tukarski, it's funny because two, like, legendary world junior goalies are on this list. And Tukarski and Fukali. There you go. Tukarski is, it will always be remembered to me as the man who made Pierre Maguire moan on national television. <laughs> um, which is a sound I never needed to hear. But, you know, um, if you want a good anthem singer, pick up Malcolm Subban. He'll oh, true. You know? Like, for example, Mar- I haven't seen Martina at any of the any of the Leafs games yet. Mm-hmm. And if she leaves, I'll be absolutely heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Malcolm Subban. Fill in. There's there's a lot here. I, I I would probably do Kajula just as like a good depth guy, but it brings up a larger conversation about waivers, right? Yes. And the way that so you were talking about it, like it's you want to have like it would be nice to have that you know that third goalie just in case you mm-hmm. need them or, or that. And waivers were essentially established to ensure that teams couldn't just stash you in their system. But it's almost like having an opposite effect now. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's having the inverse effect of what you want it to be. Where it's it's supposed to give players opportunities, mm. but now, like it's forcing guys to wait until the absolute last desperate minute to call up certain players because they don't because they'll realize oh we will probably end up losing them on waivers, mm. and then also it's 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 stop it's almost like a service time thing in the MLB where it's preventing guys who are waiver who are who are waiver exempt from getting opportunities in the NHL because they 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 realize oh that waiver exemption out of camp it'd be great to have that guy in the AHL. Because if the guy who is, you know, if we're choosing between, for example, it's the Nick Robertson and Dennis Mulligan um, roster battle where mm-hmm. they're both playing incredibly well. But if you don't, but if Dennis, and, and, and they both should probably make the team, but there's only really one spot. And so if Dennis Mulligan makes the, uh, makes the team, he's on the team, and you, ha- and you can just send Nick Robertson down, pass him through waivers, stash him in there, mm-hmm. call him up whenever you need to, whatever. But if Nick Robertson makes the team out of camp and Dennis Mulligan doesn't, you then have to put Dennis Mulligan on waivers yeah. in order to send him down. And you'll likely get picked by another team. And then, oh boy, whoopsie daisy, you lost a good asset who's mm-hmm. playing really well. Um, so yes, it'll, it'll, it'll send him to another team and maybe he'll get another opportunity. But like, it's, it's almost having this opposite effect where it's like keeping a really good prospect who's performing really well in the AHL. I, like, should we, do we need a re- revamp of the waiver talk uh, or the waiver sort of system? Do we, like, how, how would you navigate this? Yeah, it's really tough. And I will say that... I mean, you know, maybe there's some kind of like exception where you can designate one player, you know, who knows. But I mean, to me, the interesting conversation, too, is, you know, if these guys were actually great, then they wouldn't be on waiver. So um, exactly. And, yeah. you know, I mean, we've seen some sort of funny things happen where a certain goalie will get picked up like three times in two weeks well, because people are desperate. Happened to Forsberg last year. There you go. He was an oiler for a little bit. That's wild. I know. Yeah. But it's a three year deal. There you go. Goalies Yeah. Sorry. But, you know, I'm. it is important to sort of pump the brakes sometimes and be like, okay, well, yeah, if, if they could stick with the team, then they would have stuck with yes. the team. And, you know, there are some situations where, um, you know, guys get lost or, you know, guys, there's just too much depth. You know, we were talking about Alex barre Boulay yes. yeah. uh, with Tampa Bay. And it's like, okay, is it that Tampa Bay is just super deep or, you know, is it that he's just maybe a better AHLer than NHLer? Mm-hmm. I mean, he did let you know. Let's say he got passed by Ross Colton oh, at absolutely. some point. You know, yeah, yeah. they might not be the exact same player, but in terms of roster spots, mm-hmm. you know, Tampa Bay. You look at their lineup, and I, I think they've shown tremendous flexibility. Where they're not a top six, bottom six kind of team. Yep. Like you know, they have guys that do specialize, but 
guys also have a lot of skill in the bottom six. Um, so, you know, it, I, but at the same time, I can't entirely dismiss waivers because way back in the day, Martin St. Louis was on waivers. Absolutely. And ironically, it was the Tampa Bay Lightning that ended up benefiting with a Hall of Fame player that every other team or most teams in the league could have had for free and said, nah, it's all right. There are like there are a bunch of guys who you know who just need a shot, and sometimes waivers really works. Where and but also like it can prevent guys from having that shot. Like I said, like it's a good point. Like Bar Barboulet, for example, like mm-hmm. he was never gonna get a shot in in, uh, in Tampa, and then he goes and gets somewhat of a shot in Seattle. Didn't really do much. Now he's back in Tampa, but like. There really are. I think what what makes these guys these like waiver darlings, right? Because we were talking about yes. like who are like who are the top, you know, like guys who just been who are who are always on waivers and players are always like, oh, you got to pick that guy up. Yeah. You gotta. And you know, Barboule was one. Like for a long time, the Leafs like didn't want to send Josh Levo down because he'd right. go on waivers, you yeah. know. And and very rarely do you see them turn out. But then you have guys like Obey Kubel last year mm-hmm. who worked out really well for Colorado. And now he's you know he's coming into camp with a roster spot in Toronto or mm-hmm. Paul Byron. You know, he was a waivers guy. Yeah, you know, like it's, um, you know, Anton Fors or yeah, Anton Forsberg. That's a that was a big one. Um, like they're they're just there are a lot of guys who, you know, like who just need a shot and waivers mm-hmm. works. Um, I think it should be there should be like a there it should revamp the age thing. Like I think they should make it older to the sure. point where where um like you like where waiver I guess eligibility hits older. Yeah. So at least you can have. At least you can be able to send a 25-year-old like Dennis Mulligan down, mm-hmm. you know, and not have to worry about it. Yeah, in order to play a 21-year-old, like these are two young guys. 25 is on the, you know, on the borderline of being a prospect in certain right. instances. Um, it just seems I do think there needs to be some, like many things in the NHL, there needs to be a bit of a, a little tweak, a little tweak. Yeah, but it's not, it's not terrible. You know, it's not completely broken. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there will be another crop of waivers coming up. Right now, it's 11:54 a.m. On, uh, on Tuesday, there will be another crop of waivers coming in in two hours, uh, waiver candidates. And who knows? It could be some pretty crazy guys. Um, all right. Another, another topic I want to talk about real quick. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a take that I'm getting. I, I had it last night. And maybe I shouldn't have tweeted it. I should have waited to tweet. Um, but I'm getting it on both sides here. Okay. Because I tweeted, you know, and, and we talked last podcast about players who need to prove themselves in camp in the preseason. You know, who needs training camp? Who needs the preseason the most? And mm-hmm. I chose... Somewhat controversially, Uriah Slavkovsky. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is a guy who was a controversial number one overall pick. Um, he needs to prove himself. Uh, and I think I think the opportunity to, uh, you know, the team passed over the consensus number one to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he needs to go out in the preseason and just shut all his critics up, take the heat off him and all that. And in the first two games and two shifts um, going into last night, he didn't. He mm-hmm. was objectively bad to the point where the uh, uh, the like Kent Hughes, the, the Canadian GM, came out and said, like, and publicly was like, yeah, we would like to see more from him. Mm. Um, and then in the first two shifts of the game uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, he gives the puck away right to Zach Aston Reese, who scores. Uh, and keep in mind, this is Zach Aston Reese; he doesn't score a lot. Right. Um, and so he's looking pretty bad. So I go and I tweet, you know, like I know it's a preseason, take everything with a huge grain of salt, mm. you know. But that being said, like Slavkovsky's looked like real bad so far. And then he proceeds to have like a bunch of scoring chances and look pretty good. Mm. But the, the greater topic here is like, should we be kind of worried? Because he had a pretty underwhelming rookie tournament, and apparently, you know, he didn't look super great in camp. And then he looked really bad for those first two preseason games up until, or first two or three preseason games up until last night, where he still was held off the score sheet. But it, it, it's held off the score sheet in a five-four loss with most of um, most of 
Montreal's main players playing. Um, should we be worried about this guy? I'm not worried because he doesn't have to play 82 NHL games this mm-hmm. year. And I know it's hard when it's a first overall pick. Yes. But I think we were talking about this last week as well. well. Owen Power didn't go straight to the NHL. He decided to stay another year at the University of Michigan. And you know, once his sophomore season was completed, he played a few games with the Sabres at the end of the year, and he looked pretty good. So that gave him a nice little springboard coming into this year. Mm-hmm. And now expectations are obviously uh, still very high for Owen Power, as well as they should be because he's a very good defenseman. Um, with Slavkowski, I mean, this is basically his first time playing in North America. Yeah. And yeah, yes, he has played pro hockey before. Yes, he has played, uh, you know, big international tournaments, whether it was the Olympics or the World Championship for Slovakia. But he hasn't faced real NHL competition. Yes. So there's going to be an adjustment period. And again, the great thing about him coming over from Europe is that he's not tethered yeah. to a major junior team. Which is the dumbest can... rule in hockey. If we're going to yeah. talk about tweaks. I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you don't, you know, if you have to send him to AHL Laval yeah. for a couple of weeks, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It might be great for him just to sort of, you know, get yes, a rhythm, yeah. you know, you know, be able to make mistakes down there, learn from said mistakes, and it's not under the searing spotlight uh, of the NHL. Um, and I, again, you know, I mean, there's still some camp to play. And I think that, you know, he's the type of player where he's a big body. Mm-hmm. Now he's coming to the NHL where, you know, he's still one of the bigger guys on the ice, but these are the fastest, strongest guys he's ever played against. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. not as intimidated by him as um, you know he would have seen uh, playing over with TPS in Finland last year. The decisions year. are quicker. The you decisions know, are the quicker. The ice is smaller. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has a little bit of experience on small ice, yes. but mostly on yeah. bigger ice. So that's an adjustment. So it. Again, it's all about expectations, managing those expectations and saying, look, he's a teenager. Uh, we don't want, need him to be our MVP this season. We want him to be our MVP in like four or five seasons. Yes. So I think that, you know, it's a searing spotlight, but we have to remember that it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes bigger players take longer to get adjusted in the NHL. Um, so I, I just hope that people don't go too wild if the Habs decide we need him to play for Laval for a bit, or, you know, we're going to start him on the fourth line. You, yeah. know, you look at Alexi Lafreniere in New York, another number one pick where, I mean, the Rangers were just stacked on the wing. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to gift him, a, you know, a, a scoring line opportunity, but you know, he's working his way up there and, I know patience is hard yes. when you have a shiny new toy like that, but in the long run, it might be the best thing to not just sort of jam Slavkovsky into a role that he might not be ready for yet. And you know what? Like to their point, I was going to like the, the Canadians have a really bad history of doing this, of, of trying to jam players in. They ruined Alex Galchenyuk by doing that. Right. You know? Like they've, you know their 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 draft record in in the first round uh, in past years is not great, but this is a new this is a new regime. You know True. this is a new they have new you know coaches and new advisors all across the board, and so I would really respect honestly an organization that looks at like they they pick this guy first overall. You know it's they 
they they hopped over um, a guy like Shane Wright, who was the consensus number one overall pick. They did this at home in their own building. Yeah. You know, it's a big deal. Like no matter what, this is a this is a big deal. They have to get this pick right. Yeah. And I would respect an organization if they went like, listen, we we're taking the long game here. We are not going to be that good this year. I think that they kind of realize that, mm-hmm. at least from the management side, because the coaching never really can. But the management. Right. You have to go, we're not challenging for a cup this year. This is a growth year. This yeah. is a year we need to see. I would respect them if they're like, you know what? Let's get him in the AHL. Let's not rush this. Let's not ruin this this asset, this this you know sparkling asset that we have. Mm. Get him in get him in the AHL. Have him be have him, you know, sort of get used to being a number one option. Have him get used to being, you know, like the star on in, on North American ice. He can make mistakes. He can turn over the puck. He can, you know, he can he can stumble. But there's not as many eyes in Laval. Like there just yeah. aren't. And so I would really, I, I think that would be the best move. Like why, like why start your first overall pick on the fourth line in a year where you're not really going to compete? What's the point of that? What's he going to learn? Mm. You know, get him in the AHL, put him on the penalty kill. You know, put him on the power play. But like, like you sort of force feed him these these difficult minutes that in the NHL, a number one winger, you know, a, a team MVP, a guy who's who you know they're hoping to be their next Ovechkin or whatnot, is going to get. Uh, and make it develop him, give him a two-way game, allow him to to feel the confidence of using that size against sort of comparatively weaker talent, um, and then he can adjust that back to the NHL when they're ready. And I mean, Laval is it's in the same province; it's really close. You yep. know, the the they're, the rinks have the same name, right? <laughs> it's it's Bell Center and Laplace Bell or, or Bell Place. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, it. You know, I think it's and you do that for a reason. You know, so you can have that inter. You know that that harmony in between these two levels. I think that's that's what you need to do because yes, he looked pretty good on uh, uh, what was it Monday yesterday? Like I said, days of the week are kind of blend together. But he looked pretty good. But at the end of the day, like he doesn't, he just doesn't seem like he's super ready for the entire sort of grind of an NHL season. And you re- like you cannot mess this up. You cannot mess this pick up. Be safe with it. Nurture him. Incubate him. Yeah. And then release him. And, of course, the most recent example in Montreal, Jesperi Kakanyemi, who was rushed in, put yes. in a position that he was not ready for, and we saw the result. Exactly. But then, and, and to be fair, they changed coaches and everything, but, yeah. like, he sent Caulfield down for a little bit. You know, at least he was able to get away from that terrible situation mm-hmm. where I think I think they sent him away really when the peak sort of, like, depression kind of hit that Montreal room last year right. in the really, like, the dark, the, dark the, final, the final days of the Ducharme yeah. um, era. He was okay in the AHL, but he, you sort of shielded him from that. Then he came up with a new coach, looked rejuvenated, and now we're again having that Will Caulfield score 40 goals talk, which he oh. won't, but still, you know? So it's it's really, uh, I think that's a great, I think I think that would be the best way to do it. It's just something that's on my mind. All right, Ryan. Um, we do rapid fire now, right? No, we do mailbag. Okay, now. so we, we got- We end with rapid fire. Okay, we end with rapid fire. Now I'm the I'm doing rapid fire for yes. you this week, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So we have some mail. We we sent out the we sent the beacon. We have some mailbag questions. Some of them are actually pretty good with uh, uh, with Ryan's sort of collegiate mentality here. Um, so I'm gonna start off with that one actually. So this is from Matt Poirier um, or Poirier, I think M M P O I R zero five seven on Twitter. Um, why since we're talking about Shane Pinto like he's a second coming of Alfie? They all say he's untouchable in the Chickering trade rumors. College numbers seem good, but similar to many others. Why do they love this guy so much, and what am I missing? That's a great—I would love to know. Yeah, and, you know, we missed some development with Shane Pinto last year because yes. he got hurt. But, I mean, the trajectory that this, this kid was on, going from the USHL to the University of North Dakota, uh, was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was great in college. 
Um, excellent athlete. I remember talking to the Sens for a future watch story and they were saying like, he was a really good baseball player as well when he was a teenager. So he's got that athleticism, great motor, two-way player. And what I really like about Pinto is because of all those attributes, you can fit him up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. He can play center, you know, you can put him on the wing if you need to as well. Um, I, I guess I almost look at him kind of like a Dawson Mercer okay. in that respect where he can just give you so many different looks. They might not be exactly the same player, but I like that sort of versatility. And if you look at the, the Sens forward core right now, you know, they've got talent, you know, they've got some talent down the middle led by Josh Norris. Obviously, they've got some great wingers now with Debrinkit and Kachuk. And then, you know, Giroux can do either. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen him in recent years play center and wing. So for me, Shane Pinto is a guy that, um, you know, you're just going to get 100% every shift. And, you know, when he's up at full speed, he can be that kind of heart and soul player that, you know, maybe he at one point he's your number two center or maybe he is an amazing shutdown center or maybe he's a scoring winger like he has uh, all those possibilities. And I think, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be Daniel Alfredson, who is an incredible scorer. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like we've seen Pinto, you know, during his development years, really up it on offense. And I, I just think he's he, he can be very valuable for this team. Now, like to the point of the question, do you think he's untouchable in potential in a potential package for Jacob Chikrin? Yeah, that's a tough one because if you know if I'm in the Arizona Coyotes, yeah. that's exactly like the type yeah. of player I'm going to target. And, and that's the trouble when you get into these sort of like trade uh, rumors is you know if if you're Arizona, you want as much as possible. If you're Ottawa, you're saying, well, we'll give you like our second or third best prospect mm-hmm. and you know a second round pick or you know a first round pick. I mean, you're going to have to give, a, I think, a first for Chikrin plus. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, course. it's such a valuable asset. And, and again, for me, it's like, why would Arizona trade Chikrin? I mean, he's the perfect cornerstone to go with, you know, like Logan Cooley and, you know, maybe Dylan Gunther, guys like that, mm-hmm. that are still coming up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, would I trade Pinto in a package for Jacob Chikrin? I, I wouldn't want to, but... If I felt like Jacob Chikrin was like the final piece of the puzzle well, to get Ottawa to you know the next level, then it's like... Well, do you feel that? <sighs> no, I still think they need more. Yeah. Uh, at least right now. Um, now, if Dubrinkit goes off for 50 goals and Claude Giroux, you know, becomes, you know, just this like integral leader that also gets you like 75 points, then okay, maybe that's a different story because... You know, Ottawa's playing at a level that, you know, even optimistically is better than we expected. But, you know, again, I mean, we already talked about their goaltending and do they have enough right now with Talbot out? Do they even have enough with Talbot in? Mm-hmm. You know, again, these are all big questions. So I don't feel like the time is right for a Jacob Chikrin trade to Ottawa. Uh, but sometimes you got to make those trades a little early to make them happen. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. Next question. This is from Sports sportpassion.de so at lars underscore mah which which team is a dark horse contender that no one is really talking about and which of the good teams is most likely to implode and fall out of the playoffs mm-hmm. i'll let you take this one first okay so i'm thinking i'm, I'm gonna start with um the team that i feel people are, aren't really talking about as a dark horse contender is st louis mm. I still, 
you know, a team, I, I know they've lost some things, um, but they still have those great veterans led by Ryan O'Reilly, yeah. you know, Vladimir Tarasenko back doing his thing. They got Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas who are like the next wave that had their offensive breakouts. I, st- I still like the D, you know, a healthy Tory Krug, I think is a big mm-hmm. upgrade. You know, last year, obviously not, you know, what they were hoping in terms of having him the whole time. Yeah. Goaltending Jordan Binnington. You, you don't know if you're getting Stanley cup goaltender or not, but at least he has won a Stanley cup. You, we've seen it before. Yeah. And you, you can't say that for every goalie in the NHL. You definitely can't. It's a small group. So I, I think as a dark horse, like I wouldn't want to, like St. Louis is the only team that gave Colorado problems yes. until they got to the Stanley no, Cup. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So let's not forget that. So that would be the team where I'm, I don't think they're getting enough love right now. The team I'd be worried about falling out is Washington. Oh, yeah. Because of the injuries, um, because their defense uh, is not great. Uh, you know, Darcy Kemper, uh, you know, coming off, a Stanley Cup winning season where, I, you know, I mean, he got hurt for part of that run. Uh, he was very good when they needed him. Uh, but there were also games where it was, you know, kind of 6-4 victories where, you know, he probably won a couple of backs. So Washington's a team where they're in a tough division and they've got some crucial injuries this year. Obviously, Nicholas Backstrom's future is the the huge headline. You're very old. And they are. Yeah. They are old. So that's the team I would be. I think that's a great, I think Washington's a great pick. Like, I think, I really do think like this is like, that's a team. Like I said, they're just, they're old. A lot of their key guys are banged up. They, they committed a lot. They did the, they did the thing where they commit to it, like an over 30 goalie mm-hmm. on a big deal um, coming off a good, like they, they basically gave, uh, gave him the contract that another team gave Brandon Holpe that he shouldn't have gotten, right. you know, like it's like it's literally the exact same scenario where he was mm-hmm. a UFA after. Um, and also like, again, Kemper had to retrain his eye twice a day to see, to track the puck. Like that is, it's pretty tough. Now, then again, they have a medical staff that probably did extensive evaluations on him before they signed him. I, yeah. I am not a doctor, contrary to popular belief. Fair. So I'm not. Um, this isn't necessarily like a Stanley Cup contender, but I think a team that is going to take a big step forward um, that not, not a lot of people are talking about is the Kraken. Yeah, I'm fair. actually really like... Like having a having a one two or it's not going to be a one two yet, but having on your roster at least Maddie Beniers and Shane Wright for a full yeah. season is going to be really inter- interest at least interesting to watch. I think Beniers is already rocking like crazy, and Shane oh, yeah. Wright will will take a while, like maybe take a little bit, but he's still going to be you know an effective NHL player. Yeah. Um, but getting a guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand, that's big. Like that's huge. Like yeah. and, and you paid nothing for him. He was he was definitive like based on the numbers the best forward on the Columbus Blue Jackets last year. And this is, and keep in mind, another forward who played for them, Patrick Laine, signed for $9 million basically right. this year, 8.7. Yeah. Um, so that's big. Like, they, I look at their lineup and they just, they have, there aren't really any like huge stars other than Beniers and, and Wright who could potentially grow into that. They have a lot of really just like solid middle six guys. Yeah. Like they have Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, Andre Burakowski, Bjorkstrand, Yanni Gore, Jared McCann, Alex Wenberg. Yeah. Like the list goes on and on. Even a healthy Brandon Tannen. Healthy Brandon Tannen. Even like their defense, like Vince Dunn could kind of mix it up a little bit. Alexiak, uh, Adam Larson, Just, they signed Justin Schultz. William Borgen is kind of an underrated guy. Even like Carson Soucy has managed to to find a name for himself. And then if you get, if you get anything, like if you get anything close to what you were expecting to pay 
uh, what you're expecting to get when you paid for for Philip Grubauer. Mm-hmm. Like if he can rebound at all, yeah, that's huge. I think this is a team that is shaping up to be pretty good. And if not, again, they have a lot of opportunities to add assets to the deadline and keep going forward. But I think it's a team that at least from last year where they were just like, they were just a team of apathy. Like there was nothing right. special about them. Yeah. There was, it was all just a bunch of like, like third or fourth liners put into positions that they weren't ready for with a goaltender who was just having a nightmare season. There was nothing to watch them for. Now, I mean, I think that they, I think there's a great vibe there. Yeah. I think like basically everything coming out of camp. And I think that they were really, I think that they're going to be really good. My other, like in terms of actual like contender contender, it's the Kings, obviously. I mean, the Kings are going to mm, be, that's a good one. like the Kings are going to be fantastic this year. Mm. They, they, they have a, they have a ton of depth. Adding Fiala is exactly what they needed. Mm. Um, you know, like you, I like that two headed goalie that they have where like, well, Jonathan Quick is is probably going to go into camp as the starter I, or go into the season as a starter. I get it. But having Cal Peterson behind him is, yeah. is great. You know, you signed Sean Jersey to a tiny deal. You signed Michael, Mikey Anderson to a tiny deal. You know, you have like, it, there's just, I think it's going to be a great, uh, uh, I think that's going to be a team that actually challenges for potentially, um, maybe not even a Stanley, maybe not a Stanley Cup yet, but like could potentially win a couple rounds. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Seattle does that, but I think they're going to be way better than they did before. The team that thinks it's going to fall off, and I hate to say this, Things can be Pittsburgh. I, I could see that. Yeah, Again, sure. an old team. Yeah. A lot of banged up guys. Tough division. They're running it back. Tough division. I get it. There was a lot of movement. But, and, but like, they moved out a lot of young guys for old guys. Mm. They're clearly running it back. But this is a team that dealt with massive injury de- injury trouble last year. There was a point, that, or last season, they, they missed every single player from their top six for at least 10 games. I wrote a piece about it last year. Like, every single player in their top six at least 10 games, a lot of them more. Crosby, Malkin, Jason Zucker, who might not still be healthy yet. You know, like even Brian Russ missed a bunch of games. Like it's, I I think that they're, and, and we don't know what Tristan Jari is going to bring. You know, like he's a good goalie, but we don't know. We've seen him be really good. We've seen him be really bad. I think that this is, I think any, you, you can never really bet against a team with with Sidney Crosby on it. Yeah. I, like it just, it's not smart to do. Totally. But, the, but like I said, these are old dudes. It's a very long season. Uh, it's going to be tough. All right, we have, we have time for a couple more questions here, so we'll go for it. Um, uh, how, how many wins will Jonas Johansson get with the Coyotes? I think it's a fun one because I want to read the funny, tw- the funniest tweet um, that I've ever seen, uh, which is, and every time Jonas Johansson's name gets brought up, it reminds me of this tweet. He's a, he used to be for the the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. Then he now he was with um, I believe he was he was he went to Colorado. And now, uh, actually, oh yeah, and then now he's with the Coyotes. They claimed him off waivers again. Speaking of wait, guys who are always on waivers, yeah. um, and this is from John Vogel, I think he's the Athletic who uh, who covers the Sabers. He goes, "This was in March of 2021. Jonas Johansson is likely going to Colorado, according to Kevin Weeks. I can say without hesitation that the Avs are getting the worst goalie I've ever seen during my 19 years covering the Sabers. He doesn't stop pucks in practice or games. So I'm going to say, right. what's the over under for for Jonas Johansson?" Um, wins with the Arizona Coyotes this year. I mean, he's not even going to be the starter, so like like one point five. I was going to say, I was going to say four point five, but that might even that's pretty high. That might know. be high, yeah, because you got to think of how many games is he going to play and how many games are the Coyotes going to win. So I don't know. I guess I'm an optimist, and a, I, like I was going to say five games. It's an eight. I mean, it's eighty two games. I'll say he's going to win three games. Like okay. that would be my, and I'll be surprised if he if he tops that. Um, and we'll do one more. Um, who's the biggest surprise to score thirty goals in the NHL this season? Okay, so I had two 
thoughts on this. Okay. One is uh, Igor Sharangovich from okay, New yeah. Jersey. That's a very good pick. Yeah, I think he had 24 last year. Um, but I just feel like as the Devils continue to get better up front, that you know that'll that'll help him go up. The other one is Boone Jenner in Ooh. Columbus, and I know he's banged up in the preseason, uh, but it's preseason. Yeah, I mean. He's the guy that it makes the most sense for him to play between Gaudreau and Lion A. And yeah. obviously, Lion A and Gaudreau are going to get most of the offense. But Boone Jenner, I mean, you know, when you're playing with those guys, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. And uh, I think, I think you know, we've seen him in the 20s for goals. With Gaudreau feeding you passes, how can you not net another six or seven? You're right. I mean, this is, I think this is mainly like a, a, a situational thing. He's yes. next to Goudreau. You know, he could potentially, he's potentially going to be on that top line with Line A and, and Goudreau and whatnot. That could be very interesting to see. I think my, mine's a bit of a, an interesting take. I think it's going to be Matt Boldy. Oh, that's a good one. I, uh, I'm i a big Matt Boldy guy. Especially with Fiala. Go exactly. On. Yes. Uh, he's on the top power play unit, they said, along with Kalen Addison, who, uh, who, who defensively, he's not going to score 30 goals, but right. I think he's going to have a big, a big season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Matt Boldy. I thought he played really well after coming up um, mm-hmm. from the minors last year. He's a very young guy. Yep. Minnesota is going to have a very uh, tantalizing offense, um, you know, especially with Kirill Kaprizov there. And I think with a guy like Kaprizov on that top unit, um, with sort of the talent he's going to be working with, and with the opportunity now with Fiala gone, I think Matt Boldy is going to do a real good job. I think he's going to get 30 goals. That's a good one. Um, all right, rapid fire. Let's do, do it. it. So I have a couple here. Um, my first one is, who is your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think the first one I can think of was like Kathy Ireland, because she was on like the cover of like the Sports yeah. Illustrated swimsuit issue when I was like thirteen or something. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first one that I can think of. What was the first movie you saw? You have to answer too. Oh, I have to answer too. Oh my! Like, oh, Selena Gomez. Oh, okay. I because I had a I like my sister's five years younger than me, uh-huh. so I was right at the age where I started noticing girls when she was watching a lot of Disney Channel, uh-huh. and when Wizards of Waverly Place came on, my life changed forever. And now I am the man I am today. Okay. Um, so, Selena, I know you're single right now. I think the only thing What's I've up? seen her in is like Spring Breakers. Oh, that you're doing yourself a disservice. She's actually she's in uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I hear is good. I, I just it's I don't just, know if I have that stream. It's a delightful show. Do you have Disney Plus? Not right now. All right, well, they, you don't you don't have it. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one. What was the first movie you can remember seeing in the theaters? Wow. I know you're not a huge movie guy, but. I, well, no, I am a huge movie guy, um, but now I just watch them all at home. You know what? Like, the f- like the first movie, it was probably like something Disney because like mm-hmm. my mom's a huge Disney fan, so it was probably like Snow White or Bambi or something like that, where you know, like they re-released yeah. them in the theaters, or like Fox and the Hound or something. Those yeah. were probably yeah, those were probably the first ones. For me, I mean, I'm trying to think like this. That was a long time ago. Um, I think it was the Charlotte's Web remake. Oh. My mom was really big into Charlotte's Web for something. Like she wanted me to like it. I think I watched that. Shrek was another one. Mm-hmm. That came out in, I think, 2001, 2000, around that time. So I was like five. And I remember, I, we were talking about Shrek last episode, I think, too. Um, I remember my dad was more excited to go see the second Shrek than maybe I was. Because it was it's great for, for adults and kids. Um, all right. So these this is all like sort of first questions. Gotcha. Like, what was the... Uh, I don't want I don't want you to, to admit to a crime here, but what was the first piece of music you uh you you didn't pay for? Let's put it that way. First that you owned. 
uh, maybe through the internet. Like LimeWire. Yeah, like what, yes. was, what was the first piece of music you pirated, basically, is yeah. my question. You know what? Um, okay, so LimeWire, that was around the time that, this is like a really roundabout story, but I, I went on a trip to Memphis with some friends for the Memphis and May Rib Fest, okay. which is like a huge barbecue thing. Mm. I, this is like, I was like freelancing writing. And we found the local radio station, like Hot 107, played nothing but crunk like from like six in the morning like mm. on and like you know being from canada we had no idea what this was but we were like this is amazing and they all they only played like the same like yeah. 10 songs over and over again but so anyway so me and my friend like decided like back in toronto we would do like a dj night at this like uh like a jamaican bar on college street that was all crunk mm-hmm. so i was downloading a bunch of like little john and like pastor troy and yeah. like uh just like anything from like the dirty south so that was all the stuff that i like pirated was like so i could do a, D- a crunk dj night wow that is that was a journey i know i think mine was like it was it was one of the lincoln park jay-z um mashups uh. it was like the collision course like uh, i think it was like numb and encore mm. i think um because that was i mean that was the uh, that was the style of the time really that was that was big and i guess my last one is if you could go back and erase one memory that you have from either elementary school, middle school, or high school. Wow. What would it be? You have to tell the story. Interesting. Oh, this, oh yeah, this is a great one. Okay, okay so me. I grew up in Scarborough, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, East Toronto. And when I was in like, sort of like grade one, two, three, you know, like I ran track, which I guess when you're like seven, it's like whatever, like yeah. whatever that means. But at one track meet at Lamaru, uh, I lost my shoe at the start. Like, as the race started, yeah. and there were like Velcro shoes, and it like came off. So I like stopped and like got the shoe, and obviously I came in last. Yeah. And that was like scarring. But uh, yeah, that would be the one where it's like I would have like double checked to make sure my, my shoes were done up or, or had laces. I think there's one, there's one that stands out to me because it still haunts me every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it, I went to North Toronto uh, for high school, North Toronto Collegiate. Shout out. Um, had a terrible time there. Shout out. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, the way that the new, the new uh, like, because it was a new, when I was grade nine, they just knocked down the old school and built a new school in like the bottom of a condo. Gotcha. Like it, it was like a high school was attached to a condo. It was really weird. It's right at Young and Eglinton. And, um, and so in that, there was a big window um, into the gym from one of the from from the main stairwell that like goes up like to to all the classes on the third or fourth floor um and so i you know it's it's i'm in gym classes you know it's just guys being dudes you know and playing you know it play i think it was dodgeball and i remember like a girl that i really like walked by the the window and was like waving everyone or whatever and i tried to like show off and so i got a ball and i like was gonna kick it but i kicked it straight up and it hit the ceiling and it was those tiles. And so one of the ceiling tiles dislodged and just fell with a giant boom. And there was wow. like dust everywhere. And my teacher yelled at me in front of this girl that I really like. And I just looked like a giant idiot. And so it haunts me to this day. And if I could go back, I don't even remember who the girl is really. But like, but and I- That girl was Selena Gomez. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy how yeah. those things turn out. But I do remember like that. that is a memory that will haunt me for the rest of my life. And I can go back. If I could, Turtle Sunshine in the Spotless Mind, go back and just snip, snip. Yep. Take that one out. That would be it because I would sleep a lot easier. There you go. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and on that note, brings it to the end of the Hockey News Podcast presented by McKenney and BetMGM. Uh, what a what a lovely time we were talking about waivers. What a lovely time. And by the and by the time we come back for next week, the season will have started. We'll have real tangible hockey, not preseason, not waivers, not training camp, real tangible hockey to talk about. Indeed. I can't wait. Ryan, thank you for joining me. Stay tuned. <laughs>